Let's talk about Better Call Saul, a season six, episodes one and two. Um, was it two and a half hours or just like two hours and 15 minutes of content? And that was with ads. So I know I, it was shorter. I, I did but, not. Wow, uh, that's a lot of Better Call Saul. They released all at once here. Yeah, I uh, I, I bought, as, as I've done for the last few years, this is one of those things that uh, is nice about tax write-offs is you get to do things like like just buy them for three dollars on uh, an episode on on amazon uh yeah dude two hours two full hours of this um to my surprise uh, i guess what what order are we doing it i was really surprised that the second episode was so much better than the first it is i i think part That's of it i wonder if part of it because I, I watched the first episode on prime video they put the first episode out for free there and huh. so I bet it's a little bit of like, here's a taste, but good on AMC+. Plus. This is interesting because I watched it on DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, and that was the DVR recording of the broadcast. The broadcast did not differentiate between the two episodes. They gave you all the credits up front, oh. and they just ran one right into the other. So I don't know when Carrot and Stick technically started. Oh wow! Uh, it the the separation point is uh, the beginning of the second episode is all of the movers taking stuff out of the Better Call Saul offices, and then the uh, the tequila stopper falls out of the cabinet. And that make that makes sense because it's one of those like flash forward flashback well, kind of things. Yeah, yeah uh, wait, wait, but it uh, wasn't black and white either. Oh no no no! Uh, yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, or was that, that the first episode? Yeah, that's the first episode. Oh shoot! The, sorry. The first episode actually begins with black and white, and as we've discussed before, and it's so funny because. Because uh, it had been so long. This is one thing I think they're very smart to do in a in a uh, post binge worthy era is to know that hey, we got to remind everyone of a lot of things and make it easy to plug in. Bonnie, I don't think has watched the last season season and a half of this, mm. and yet had no trouble following. Yeah, yeah, I know this guy. I assume they're up to shenanigans, this thing. But uh, episode one begins with the black and white. As we've been trained through every single season, we get a, a current time. Most future time is in black and white, a vignette at the beginning of the season. This one, they break pattern. It was in color. It begins in black and white, though. But the ties begin to fall down first with pink florets on the black and white, then with increasing garish mm. colors, and we realize these are Saul Goodman's ties, uh, all of which I assume is meant to say we are not in current time, but we're not in Better Call Saul time. We're somewhere in between, which is why the opening vignette is both in black and white and in color, and then we see a time shortly after Breaking Bad, after our story, but not quite to current time, you know, 20, uh, 2012 or whatever it is at, at, at that point, uh, of, of them doing the estate sale thing of all of his belongings after he is he's run off. Then we go to full color, which is our uh, allegedly late 90s, I forget when, early aughts, uh, better call Saul before Breaking Bad. So when does Carrot and Stick start? <laughs> Carrot and Stick begins after Nacho is holed up. I believe it begins with um, Lalo. Uh, 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 we get both not we get Nacho on the run, who ends up hiding in a hotel. So he's oh okay, okay. and we get Lalo showing up, uh, and in uh, in it's implied that he kills some old friends to. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, he's he's real nice to those, those farmers, and it's like, uh, and you could tell it's this is one of those things that Better Call Saul and Gilligan do really well, which is like, we're not going to have Lalo have a conversation and apologize. He's just going to look sad, and then he's going to be gone, and you're going to know. Oh yeah, he definitely killed them. Right, uh, and uh, we also get the uh, carrot and stick. Also opens with uh, a conflicted ermine trout. Uh, describing the exact make and model of the safe in Nacho's apartment before they drill it. And they take everything out. And the only thing he does is he pockets uh, Nacho's dad's information. And uh, and then he puts the incriminating letter, the letter that will lead um, the other member of the, the, whatever their mafia is to to the cartel, to, to the exact hotel where Nacho is holed up. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm really liking that being the way that that storyline is wrapping up. Like, uh, I don't know. It feels like they've almost wanted Gus to be like a good guy because he's also against the cartel. But he's definitely going to try kill Nacho. Or or definitely what? He's well, going to kill Nacho. Yeah, I and, guess so. And you, you also get a turning point in Mike and Gus's relationship here, which is still fairly new at this point, where Mike lays down the law. Uh, right. Yes. And says, yes. You know, says, like, no, I'm not this, doing the dad stuff. Oh, and, and, yeah, and we're not the resolve, the, dad out of it. Yeah. The, the resolve with which he just says, like, you could, that is a person who is at peace with a bullet in his brain mm-hmm. or, or Gus going along with it. But either way, dad, he's not going to bring it to the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the, the Jimmy slash Saul part of these, uh, it feels less important than all of the Nacho, Lalo, Mike, and Gus stuff I mean, uh, out, in these two episodes. Anyway. Outside of the continuing uh, gaslighting of making out uh, Hamlin to be a coke addict, uh, the, uh, well, uh, the, the, the fun thing about that, this is why I'm really glad Eileen's catching up on Better Call Saul, is we're seeing Jimmy be led to do things that he's like, well, I mean, I guess we could do, you really want to do that? Which is the opposite where, when they, when they first did the con remember, uh, and she was the one putting on the brakes and saying, well, well, hold on. We're not really going to con him. And Jimmy was the one like, well, no, of course we'll just take it up to the line, but it'll be fun. He has hooked her on conning people. Yep. And, and what I, what a, a scene that I saw from last season that Eileen was rewatching. I uh, remember that scene where they were standing on the balcony of the apartment building. Uh, and, and they're throwing Jimmy bottles. Is, is just hanging the bottle over pretending like he's going to drop it. And then she walks up uh, and he pulls it back and she just chucks hers. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the turning point. This is, this is where she is now instigating the riskier behavior instead of him. So, just like with the actual Better Call Saul TV series, it has been so long. Uh, am I am I incorrect in thinking it was pre-pandemic the last time we saw this show? Yes, I believe so. Uh, uh, oh, that it what? Wait, I, I, I asked. You are correct. That in, I am correct. Yeah, you okay. are correct. Okay, got it. Uh, well, it was technically right at the beginning. The last episode of the last season aired April 20th, 2020. Right. Uh, it's been a minute. <laughs> And so much, much as I'm having difficulty uh, rem- being reminded of various aspects of the series, uh, 
I have a vague recollection that you and I were discussing the possibility that it's Kim Wexler who has become deeply addicted to this high and and through uh, Jimmy McGill and the character of Saul Goodman feels protected enough and that that's going to be what makes for the despair that creates the darkness within uh, the Saul Goodman that we're first introduced with in Breaking Bad. Why I'm wondering where this Howard Hamlin stuff is going, because right now it feels ridiculous and almost harmless, right? They're, They're just trying to kind of sow doubts about him. That's not nearly important enough to spend this much time on unless it's going to go horribly wrong, uh, which of course it will. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious if this is a feint that leads to the thing, or if this is the thing that spirals out of control and happens to Kim, what, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, and, and also we've held out the possibility that there's a reunion in the black and white future timeline that we're mm-hmm. I, almost certainly um, one more comment on the opening black and white to color transition. Uh, that told me that I would not be surprised if most or all of the final episode of the series is in black and white. Yeah, it, it, it certainly could be a chunk, right? Like they they wouldn't have set us up with all those black and whites if they weren't going to give us some resolution on that. Uh, and and I was expecting to continue that story at the opening here, and we didn't. So they're they're saving something. Uh, and and I trust Vince Gilligan uh, that he's saving it for a good reason. Uh, back back to the Howard Hamlin scam, though. Uh, that country club scene was delicious. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah. So uh, I I sometimes feel dumb because uh, I I. I create a lot of content for YouTube and my impulse is to keep it simple, stupid K I S S. And, um, I feel like watching better call Saul makes me feel like, uh, that's a fine way to be because, uh, Vince Gilligan keeps it simple. You could drop in like, uh, we were talking about moon Knight. This is not a spoiler if you're about to watch moon Knight, but, but the episode four of season one, uh, I can't imagine what that show would look like if you had no context going into it. I could absolutely imagine and indeed watched it with my my wife. You could drop anyone into episode one or episode two, and they would have absolutely no trouble understanding who's what and what's going on and what they should be worried about. And, oh, that was a clever scam or a crime or a way to figure out a thing. Uh, even as something as simple as... Um, you know, if you don't know who Nacho is, there's a guy in a hotel room and he's peeking out the window and he clearly is paranoid about being watched. He opens the door, but meanwhile is looking through the window and sees a shadowy figure moving across the street. And now he knows, keep it simple, stupid, just exquisitely directed, beautiful to watch, uh, simple and even like well-paced narrative storytelling. Guiding your attention in that same way, right? Like we see, we're watching Nacho who's like looking out of the motel room and we know he's hot and we see him see the AC running across the way and you go, oh, uh, oh, maybe he's going to like try and make a break for it. He's going to try and go and get You don't even see the AC running. You see See dripping off an AC unit and Gilligan trusts you to be like, Oh, Oh, that obviously means the AC is running in there. Okay. That's interesting. Why is that happening? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so they're able to do suspense with very, with still simple plot points. He think he sees the AC. What does that mean? There's a guy in there. Like it is not complicated 
and we don't need to see him walk all the way around and get into that. Like he's just there. Well, and that's why that country club scene is so delicious because it's a short story, right? It's like man walks in, obviously creating a scene. Why can't the people understand that he's doing this on purpose? Well, it's because it's so embarrassing. They're caught up in the moment, then gets caught and has to throw a towel. Like has the presence of mind to just strip down and throw a towel because What's more invisible than the naked guy in the locker room, right? Nobody wants to invade <laughs> that great, space. Yes. Great, uh, also, so uh, yeah. that's so funny. Uh, also, uh, I love the fact that it's so easy to call those moments because there's a warning, like warning, brief nudity. Me, uh, yeah, run yeah, through yeah. algorithm, AMC, brief nudity equals is man butt. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and, uh, but on top of that, uh, I did rather love the brief confusion of... Uh, uh, Saul's anti-Semitic uh, defensive rhetoric and then followed up by like, well, was was that the plan or wasn't that the plan? Seems unlikely that he would be prepared for somebody to randomly ID him. And then you realize, no, the plan was loosey goosey. Hey, I'm going to get in there. Something, something. Don't worry. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out a way to plant this baking soda in there and and you could tell like that was him just riffing and going on the moment, which he's very talented at. Yeah, uh, even to the point where the guy's like Saul Goodman or Jimmy McGill, and it's like, oh, right. You're Whatever like, you're calling yourself now. His name isn't even Goodman, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> but but it, and it also didn't stop him from the bulk of his uh, uh, his his defensive Semitic rap yep. Yep. <laughs> being just, after just he was called out for being yeah. a fraud. Yep. Uh, and then the other, the other part we haven't talked about yet, uh, I love the Kettleman's. I was so glad to see them again. That was that was super fun. Uh, it's probably the weaker of the of the storylines uh, here that that he has to use them, and it's kind of unbelievable that they would show up at Davis and Maine, and that would all work out so perfectly. But I didn't care. I, well, I, and, I and, love and those also two I think I think they covered their tracks where they uh, when later they say we went to four lawyers across town we just happen to see the first one or the most important one or whatever uh and on on top of that um uh, again it it plays whether you know who they are or not like okay these are people that he's wronged and and he looks like he's coming back trying to make amends he's definitely you know doing hijinks and it it just comes out in the script right like like uh uh when she uh uh they, like they describe the Kettleman's fraud, previous crimes. Yeah. yeah, like, hey, you remember the people who stole a bunch of money? Like, like, even though that's in the middle of this plot line. Yeah. Hey, if you forgot who these kind of crappy people are, um, this is why th- this is where it's, they're from. I hadn't even really thought about this, but it's the difference between exposition that helps and exposition that bores. Exposition that bores would have been like somebody going like, I don't know why that AC is running over there <laughs> instead of just showing you the dripping, right? You don't even have to hear the AC. They trust the audience. Whereas well, the exposition that helps is like brief in context, like totally appropriate mention of like, oh yeah, these are the folks who got busted for, this is the treasurer guy that bu- got busted and helps remind you. Uh, and also if you've never seen it before, would give you the information you need to understand it too. Yeah. Uh, uh, what it made me think of is sort of the opening of Predator where it's clear that Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger have a history with each other. Uh, but then, you know, may, I, I don't, I forget what they say, but let's say he said something like just like that time in Cambodia, like that didn't take anything away. And it's yeah. not like there was an episode that I missed about Cambodia. It's like they have a history. I'm like, great. I get it. Go on. Yeah. 
Also, uh, Julianne Emery, man. I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Uh, she was great in Preacher. Uh, she was great season one of this. And, and oh my God, I just remembered yeah. she was in Preacher. Yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. All right. Any other thoughts on the first two episodes of Better Call Saul? Uh, no, six? it turns out when somebody is a rock god, they're pretty good at playing music. Yep. Uh, also, enjoyed Better Call Saul. Um, <laughs> no, I, you get what I'm saying. It's like they kept it simple, but it's no, exquisite. No, you really like Jimmy Hendrix. I got all, it. I all right, all right. I like Better Jimmy McGill. Screw Hendrix. <laughs> you heard it here. Brian hates Jimmy Hendrix. But <laughs> no. Loves Better Call Saul, season six, episodes one and two.